0: Last coffee house. Okay, so we are talking about just random politically related stuff today. Amongst other topics, well, let's start with entertainment. How about entertainment? So I finished Death Stranding. It's amazing and all the criticisms are valid. <laughs> it's very difficult to explain. I would need uh, several hours to actually break that down. It is a revolutionary and one of the few artistic video games, like genuinely artistic video games that I consider a work of art that actually exists at this point in history. History. However, I completely understand anybody who was so frustrated that it was such a slog. At different points, there was definitely one point as I was playing it that I was just like, "Why am I doing this?" I pushed through. <laughs> I got through that part. You know, I stopped playing at the time, went to bed, went to work. And by the time I got back, I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm gonna go back to. It. I'm gonna give it a go." I got through it. It was absolutely worth it. Not just story wise, thematic wise, the ideas behind it. It's incredibly complex, unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, I think there are only two video games I consider works of art at this point and that's obviously you change the standards and decide oh this is a work of art too but one for my considerations when it comes to complexity and intelligence and cleverness and having some kind of a broader idea than just oh you're entertained for however many hours. Shadow of the Colossus and this game those are the two works of art that I know of when it comes to the video game medium. Anyway if you've got the wherewithal to stick it through because you're interested in that kind of a thing then you will be blown away and and if you need further explanation, then I can certainly give it. <laughs> watched what else did I watch the for Thanksgiving, watched the entire three and a half hours of <laughs> The Irishman. <laughs> That takes it out of you, uh, just like the uh, the turkey. It can be a tad soporific. I wasn't, I mean, generally I withstood any of those inclinations because I was extremely interested in what was going on. The actor's incredible. It looked incredible. It was the most mature Martin Scorsese I've ever seen, which makes sense, you know, toward a later part in his career. But I was interested every step of the way. I'm sure that if I watch it again, there would probably be, I mean, at three and a half hours, there's probably plenty that could actually be cut out if it was produced inside a studio system and there were those kinds of controls that you had to worry about and I could see other people being like "Geez, do we need three and a half hours of this really a lot of dialogue a lot of dialogue at some points where it's like you don't necessarily know that it's necessary I-, I don't feel like as I'm thinking about it though I don't know that there was a bunch of fat on there Like I didn't feel like any scene I was like oh you could get rid of that scene or anything like that it felt like there was machinery moving around that made sense Joe Pesci oh my gosh Joe Pesci what an actor that guy is and he's acting with Robert De Niro who's just annoying in real life, but is an incredible actor. And Al Pacino, who's just I mean, all of them are killing it, so I like, I want to watch it again right now because of that. And the de-aging, initially, <laughs> when you first see the de-aging, it, it looks off. I was like, wait, this doesn't look quite right. But as you got into it, it the uncanny valley got filled up. Somebody pushed some dirt in there because I couldn't tell as we went along that they were de-aged. They just kind of blended in and it, it looked right. And it, it was a progressive thing. It was like, over time, they would become a little more a little older, a little older, you know, as they went through. There was only one scene that reminded me of the first Godfather scene. You know, in the first Godfather there was James Caan he was beating up a guy, you know, beating up his his sister's husband for abusing her or something like that. And there's this long take and they're in, uh, they're like stumbling through the street and all this other stuff and there's one punch that he throws that's like lateral the camera and you could clearly see he doesn't even come close to hitting him <laughs> and all the, all the rest of the scene looks fantastic and there's just one moment where it's like that's clearly a miss there and there's just there was one moment in this movie where Robert De Niro's character was like beating up the store owner and there's this beautiful beautiful shot of him like he's like throwing him and he hits the door and breaks the glass on the stuff. it looks gorgeous and it was well choreographed and all that stuff but it's when he they like stumble into the street and Robert De Niro's like kicking him and it just there's no force behind him <laughs> Like I understand with his advanced age, that it's going to be a limitation on his ability to do these kind of these kinds of scenes. It didn't look right, uh, but other than that, I, it looked gorgeous. I thought throughout it was really tamped down, like it was it was reined in a lot. It wasn't like you know the Departed or something like that, where there's a lot of kind of highs where you've got these scenes that really stick out. There was more of a, a texture to it, where scenes that stick out were like when. Al Pacino was talking about one guy who but he's just this little guy who's really annoying he's always just a really annoying guy <laughs> But he's scary. <laughs> you know, he's like a, he was like Joe Pesci historically. So it was it was that one scene with that guy that was fantastic when they were in the prison and Al Pacino's just trying to eat his ice cream, you know, and their conflict. I loved seeing those two go at it every time. I loved how Robert De Niro's character was just, you know, he's trying to be this broker between people and Joe Pesci's character. You know, he's not, he's not like Goodfellas where he's awesome and like over the top and violent and all that stuff. He's just like reserved and gets things done that he needs to get done and says what he has has to say and all all that so it's just it's just really enjoyable it was a really enjoyable movie all around but like i said three and a half hours i mean it's gone with the wind jeez sitting for a movie that long <laughs> that's uh that's something else all right so that's like half of it i'm just talking about entertainment related things jeez substance right what else is going on there was oh i watched what it's like you know trump's win and the news response to trump's win the next morning or something like that and like they were so not self-effacing in any way they one of the things when it comes to the media like when it came to even Obama's election when everybody was like oh my gosh the country was so racist how did that ha- how did this happen and i just it's so much of elite liberal media just projecting themselves on the rest of the country it's like no we think that would be ridiculous to <laughs> <laughs> to vote for a black candidate that's such a crazy thing to us so therefore but we're assuring our virtue by doing it and all these other people who are voting for we didn't expect it because everybody's so racist it's oh, its so annoying and it's, again I heard it in this I mean I think this was from this is a lot of, like the next morning so it's in 2016 but even today I still hear it where people say oh, Trump is such a racist okay why do you say that because he said all Mexicans were rapists no why do you keep bringing this up I mean it's not even adjacent to that it's he said they're not sending their best and all this media garbage started at this moment this was the moment that i said there's something seriously wrong with the way media is portraying this guy when he he said they're not sending their best they're saying they're murderers and all this other bad all this other bad stuff it explicitly states in the premise that there are their best and he's lamenting that fact that he can't get their best that's what he's saying. It's. And they would still be Mexican, and Mexican isn't even a race, it's a national origin. But still, the best people, the ones that he would want, at least impliedly, and that he is saying are their best, would still be Mexican. so uh, how do you read the the racism into that That, oh my gosh it just it drove me crazy because it wasn't even a matter of not being charitable with it it was just a doofy guy saying a doofy thing and if you're being reasonable at all you don't see it the worst you could say about it is that it's unlettered and annoying that he would put it in those terms that's the worst thing that you could say about it so that was definitely the moment for me where I was just like something's really wrong here there's something they really don't want this guy and they will lie Cheat and steal to try to get rid of him, so that's something's off anyway. Uh, oh, and uh, what's this? Stephen Fry? He's got this book, a new book on Greek myth. I don't know how new it is, but on Greek mythology. And Stephen Fry's when he was just telling the stories, he's so captivating, he's a hell of a storyteller. And I'm definitely gonna pick up those books. Uh, one of them's called Heroes, that's the second one. The other one's called something else, Mythos or something. I don't know what the other one is, but he's got two books one and two from 2017, 2018 about Greek mythology. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to read those things. Those will be coming up. She's Elizabeth Warren. She just seems like the most insincere candidate. One of the most insincere that I have seen, period. Because they were talking about, I was watching something where they're talking about her versus Yang and how she was bringing up this wealth tax, which is insanity. It's pure insanity. I mean, not only, I mean, it's been tried in a bunch of countries who eventually repealed it because it doesn't work at all. But just from a basic level, this is a tax on things that people have that could be unrealized value. So it's like your real estate, or your stock holdings, any other assets, they, an assessment of value that then gets taxed. It would be shrinking your tax basis over time deliberately. Like that's that's the point of what would happen is that uh, like some wealthy people, if I have this X amount in stock and now I have to sell the stock to pay the wealth tax on the stock and now I have less stock to go into next year. Uh, I mean, and this is all these are all funds, obviously. Obviously, that have been taxed already, uh, you know, with a few with the whatever exceptions. But most of it would be based on income that had already been taxed. And so you're retaxing that and doing it in such a way as that you're draining the tax base, eroding it over time. And that's just all assuming that every single billionaire or one percent or whoever you're taxing is going to stick around. They're not going to find ways around this or move their assets or get rid of everything in anticipation. And not only that, but likely a majority of the expense of this would go to the administration of it not just in the government having to administer it but in personal tax professionals and the individuals themselves having to figure all this stuff out to figure out how much they owe and then the IRS doing audits trying to figure out whether they're right about how much they owe I mean the administration likely would cost way more than it's ever going to be worth then you've got Yang on the other side who talks about UBI and I just I am not a fan if you saw one of my other episodes on UBI specifically I I don't think it's a good idea for many reasons, uh, but it's 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 an odd thing. I mean, why a thousand dollars? Why not two thousand dollars? Why not twenty thousand dollars? Why why does is there some magical number of a thousand dollars that's suddenly gonna solve everybody's problems? And why is that not gonna have a drastic impact on prices? Why why is that not gonna impact? I'm gonna read his book at some point, so I try to get this stuff down hopefully before the election because he's not likely to make it. <laughs> but I know Buttigieg is doing a lot better after everybody sees saw what Warren's actually like... And Biden just keeps being weird. So, and Bernie's crazy. So I don't know. (laughs) I just, I am not a fan of UBI in general. There are a whole bunch of reasons. Then we got, oh yes. Oh my gosh. you remember this? Where the CNN's illustrious little Brian Seltzer, he was talking to some guy, some guy who's like a psychologist or something and saying how the psychologist was calling Trump supports a cult. Anybody who supports Trump must be a member of a cult and and the projection was so incredible when they're talking about what defines a cult it's so obviously way more apt definition of the left you know leftists right now progressives right now such a better description of the left than it is about trump or the right or supporters of trump i mean things like just appealing to emotions using emotional appeals instead of logical appeals the whole othering you know the in-group out-group thing and othering people who are out of the group being inclined to give more power to the top. (laughs) and wanting to use the state power to curb constitutional rights it's I mean it's so obvious it's so ridiculous even just watching Brian Seltzer's like questioning of this guy where it's like that faux oh what about this thing how about that you know it was just infuriating and so stupid I cannot believe that Brian there's so many dumb things that that guy does on that show whether it's like (laughs) analyzing (laughs) the misspellings and bad grammar and Trump's tweets and I mean there's some other extremely extremely stupid thing that he did recently but I, I can't remember what it was anyway th- you know it's it's craziness obviously it's pure projection and I can't take anybody seriously who wants to talk about cults and will not bring up the progressive less right now who wants to burn every witch at the stake who dares uh, express any heresy related to any topic that they hold dogmatically it's just it's so ridiculous then there was this guy I saw this other guy he was talking about how Cal California is just dying. It's just it's it's going so bad. He talked about how like Californians make up thirty percent of welfare recipients, but only twelve percent of the population of the country, and how just these policies and keep voting in these same people and the same party that is just driving it into the ground. He was talking about how they had to get ready for shutting down the power grid. Like this is something they have to prepare for in the United States in modern America. Blackouts they have to deal with. They have to shut all the power. And uh, it killed some at least one person died because they were on like life support or something like that. And how can you think that your governance is going well, especially when you've got, you know, the homeless problem that you have, that there are human feces all over the streets. I mean, are you kidding? Don't you think that something might be wrong? And the worst part about the whole thing is that Californians who have now destroyed California are moving to places like Texas and Arizona, which could swing all the elections and turn those places into California. California, and you wonder why people are so... <laughs> concerned about immigration when even internal immigration between states can cause a whole lot of problems. So, I mean, California, to me, it seems like it's just on borrowed time because it has a huge tax base, you know, in Hollywood and a bunch of wealthy people and and coastline, coastal living and all that stuff that can be much more expensive. It's got this huge extra tax base that it gets to live off of and wean, but you can only do that for so long. The more you promise. I mean, I read an article about how like city council members make a 170 grand a year or something like that and get company cars and free parking and all this other stuff and it's just eventually those chickens are going to come home to roost you don't just get to keep taking money from everybody else and not be productive and say oh it, it'll be fine eventually the house of cards is going to come tumbling down it's it, it's so ridiculous and maybe it needs to so we can see how this kind of thing works anyway that's okay so uh i've been talking for a while now that's that's what it's going to be for this this episode i ser- seriously seriously sincerely appreciate anybody listening i hope the holiday went well i didn't get to i started some movie what was it thanks killing and it was about the moment that the turkey (laughs) held aloft a a butcher knife and said nice titch b word um it was about that point that i thought okay well maybe this isn't for me and that's when i switched to the irishman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love schlocky horror movies. One of my favorite ones, Prom Night, is is amazing. Uh, love them to death. But that was that was something else uh, for a Thanksgiving movie. Thanksgiving was delicious, by the way. Thanks for asking. Anyway, I hope all is well. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. All right, bye.